0: Welcome to the Nerd Party.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland.
0: And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. We're back this week starting the second half of Philip Pullman's The Golden Compass. So we've already wrapped up the first book in our series on the pod.
1: Yeah, for anyone who's new to our podcast, we are a podcast with the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends and roommates and we read and reread young adult literature together and we share books with each other. So we alternate between a series that one of us has read and one of us hasn't. And we're currently on my turn to reread a series.
0: Yes, Charles has read his Dark Materials before and this is my first time. And this format is fun because you get to hear from one person who is reading for the first time and one person who is rereading. And as the newbie, I get to give a quick summary of the reading in case you couldn't read along with us. So, diving right in, Lyra is captured and brought to the facility at Bolvangar, where the children are being severed from their demons, and Mrs. Coulter shows up, and all hell breaks loose, but the kids get away, and Lyra, Roger, Lee, Serafina, and Yorick all fly up to Sval... Sval... Svalbard?
1: You said it perfectly the other day. We were just talking about something else, and you said it perfectly. It's Svalbard. Svalbard. Svalbard.
0: Svalbard. Yeah.
1: It's exactly the way it's spelled. It's
0: just if you overthink that S and that V, it's too much. But anyway, (laughs) on Svalbard, Yurik fights for his polar bear kingdom, and Lyra finally confronts Asriel. The next morning, Asriel uses the energy bond between Roger and his demon to cut open the gate into the other world in the sky, and he goes through it, and Lyra and Pan decide to follow him. And that's the end of the book. So I'll just go ahead and give my first impression really quick of this reading. And for me, this section was pretty chaotic, in my opinion. Like Lyra was saved, then she was kidnapped again. And I feel like this just kept happening over and over again. And maybe that's just because it was just happening over and over again in the whole book overall. So I just kind of felt like I was getting a little whiplash because one second she'd be okay. Then the next second she's getting grabbed by like, one of the like tartar people or whatever and now she's in danger again so it was just a lot and maybe I also felt this way because like when they get attacked Lyra obviously she's still a kid and even she's our main character she doesn't actually really participate in any of like the fighting like with the shooting so I don't know if like for me how with reading it, because she's not directly involved, it just doesn't feel like I'm actually connected to the like warfare because the characters who are getting hurt or killed or are shooting are all just kind of like random people that don't necessarily have names that we've never met. So like, I don't know, it, it was just starting to feel a little repetitive to me. And maybe that's also just because, you know, I just wanted her to get to Azra. I wanted to know what was going on. And, like, I was just like, stop with the fighting. Let's like get to the end. But I don't know. I don't know if you felt that at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, this, this book definitely in this reading is a lot of action-y stuff. And you're right that Lyra is not like the one like she's not the one like shooting people. I think that in the next two books, the action-y stuff, there will be plenty of action, but I think it's going to turn off a little bit. It's going to go into more of a different direction. But there still be a lot happening, but Lyra will be more... In her plot line, she'll be a little more active, but I could be misremembering. I don't want to give too much away either, but I do think that, like, the physical violence that we had a lot of in this reading is, like, not going to – there'll be more of that. Don't – there will be more of that, but it's not going to be the whole thing, so. Okay. And speaking of which, my impression was actually – I always forget how much this book ends on a cliffhanger, like – The story is completed, you know, they save the kids, which like you said, is like sort of the main operative plot of this book is the children get kidnapped and then they figure out where they are. So that plot line has been resolved. But as a kid, I probably read this book like four or five times and I read the sequels like far fewer, like maybe one or two times, but I can't believe that I would finish this book and I'd be like, I'm done. Like it ends on such a cliffhanger. Like she goes into another world and I would just stop there. Whereas like... I'm sure that after you read it, you were like, I got to read the next reading, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I do understand. You do get kind of closure because, like you said, the immediate conflict of the Golden Compass is, like, solved. They figure out where the children are, what's happening to them. There's no actual solution as to, like, I mean, I guess they free the kids. But, like, we don't know what's going to happen. And then, But, yeah, the idea that. The end of the book is literally the other thing that was being hinted throughout that there's this other world there's other worlds out there, and there's this one that they want to get to and they finally get to it, but you don't get to learn anything about it. I mean, I'm also like I'm a series finisher, so like I can't imagine like not finishing, especially like only the first book and yeah, if I don't only know what read was wrong with me. like if you only I can't me. imagine reading the first book of a series so many times without continuing but
1: i don't I don't know I would have done that but because I like the other books, I really like what we're gonna get in the next ones. Um, so I don't know what's wrong with me, but anyway, this time we're gonna keep reading. So let's just dive in, I guess.
0: Yeah. So we start. We're at the station in Bullvanger where they are keeping all the severed demons stored, and Lyra almost gets severed by like some of the doctors there who capture her. They catch her, like, spying on them up in the ceiling. But Mrs. Coulter storms in and prevents it. She stops it right before it's about to happen.
1: And I think that this moment, more than anything else, okay, we know the monkey is evil, but this moment, the conversation that Mrs. Coulter and Lyra have afterwards prove how evil Mrs. Coulter is because she verifies that she's okay with other people getting severed. She's like, severing is good for you, and... But, like, she won't let her daughter get severed. And then Lyra's like, okay, but if it's so good for me, then you should have let them do it. And she's like, darling, don't think about it. And it's like, clearly you don't think that severing, or at least the severing that you're doing right now, like, she knows that it's bad. But she's willing to make, like, and, but she, so obviously she won't let her own daughter be subjected to it. But she's lying, like, through her teeth. And, like, this is the moment that whenever I read the book, I'm like, this is the moment that cements beyond how evil mrs coulter is because she like if she's doing this that's for the greater good then of course she should let her daughter also partake but you know she won't let her daughter partake so she knows it's gotta be bad
0: well i also feel like in addition to that it also just kind of proves that it's not like she it's not like yeah you think that you're doing what's best she knows that what they're doing is wrong like by saying that lyra shouldn't get it like she's identifying that this is wrong. This shouldn't happen, but we're doing this. We're going to do it despite that. So yeah, like, I mean, I already hated her. So.
1: Yeah. She's super hateable, especially cause her demon is so hateable. That but like monkey. that moment is always, that moment is always one where I'm like, God, she's so like, like such a double standard and just you know important for the plot of the next books like we get here like she very explicitly says the church thinks that dust is evil and that with intercision you can prevent children from ever accruing dust because we know that when your demon settles when you hit puberty you start to attract dust and we're going to talk a little more about that later on but coulter says that here as her justification for severing other kids but not her own daughter okay
0: yeah and this is kind of like the Talk, she talks about, I guess, like, the churches. Basically, like you said, like they, they think that you're demon. They see like, it gives you, like, bad ideas and, like, kind of influences you to do bad things when you hit puberty. And that's, like, connected with the dust because the dust is, like, original sin. Like, it's definitely a very interesting concept. And, like... It is interesting, though. We'll talk
1: about it a little more. In a little bit.
0: But it's just interesting, too, this idea of, like, yeah, they're saying that they're doing this for these kids, but, like, none of the adults are having it done. Except they do say that—they mention that the nurses have had it done because Lyra notices how the nurses' demons are just kind of sitting there. Like, they don't seem to have, like, any emotion because they're obviously not connected. And I don't know, just— Like, what do you think that means of, like, how they can justify, like, we're doing it to the children, but, like, we're not having it done to ourselves?
1: Well, I think it it shows the double standard in that, like, I mean, I will talk a lot more about the original sin aspect at the end of the episode and also in the next few books, because that's going to be sort of, like, the operative part is, like, the church wants to prevent sin, and they think that dust is sin, and—but it's— the fact that like the doctors and Mrs. Coulter haven't undergone this surgery or intercision is because like they can say that they're doing this to prevent people from getting sin, but like they're willing to live with their own sin. Then so it's 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 just to point out like how hypocritical. I mean, as we talked about a little bit, hypocritical church is kind of the, what they're going for right now. Yeah and we'll talk about a lot more about it cuz we get the original sin part during the Azrael conversation so i think maybe we should save that for the end of the the episode but sure so lee and yorick save lyra and they start to take her up to Svalbard and during this flight in the hot air balloon lee and seraphina pecola talk about the war and basically having a choice in the war And we meet our first witch, which is Serafina Pecola, and she's a super big character. She's actually going to be in all three books. She's going to play a really big role, especially in the third book. And she's saying that there's already a war started and that they all have to be on Lyra's side. And again, this will tie back into the sin thing a little more. And I don't want to say more because it's going to start spoiling stuff for the next book. But basically, there's going to, as we can already tell, there's going to be a big conflict between Asriel and the church. We're already sort of seeing that. Asriel wants to learn more about dust. He wants to go see these other worlds. And the church is like, no, that's heresy. And Asriel seems to, like, be okay with dust. He's just trying to figure out what it is. And the church is like, dust is sin, must destroy dust. So it's going to be a conflict between those two. And basically, like, what side does Lyra come down on is kind of going to be important. So, again, that's going into the next two books. So I'll cut right now. But we do get the best line, one of the best lines in the whole series from Serafina Pecola in this moment.
0: But first, I have to cut in and make a comment because during that scene, we kind of get almost like a little Twilight love story between Serafina Pecola and Farter Corum, who basically they had, like, they were in love. They have a child together. But ultimately, they couldn't stay together because witches don't age. They stay, like, young forever. So they can fall in love and have children with human men. But ultimately, the human men will die. And they even talk about, I guess, if the witch has a child with a man, if it if it's a boy, if it comes out as a boy, that boy is human and will die. But if it's a woman... The woman becomes a witch and she gets to live forever. So I liked that because i want to be a witch and be immortal. And, you know, we just get to recycle the men and throw them away. So I think that's a great.
1: <laughs> that's the best okay. line in the series. Serafina Pecola says, she says, men pass in front of our eyes like butterflies. Like she's like, they're so, they're so temporary. They're just like a pretty little thing that we can enjoy and then get yeah, rid right of. Yeah, you can have
0: a whole bunch of them. <laughs> I love that line.
1: This also reminds me of my, one of my favorite movies, Clue where um, Madeline Kahn, she plays Mrs. White and she talk- she's had like three different husbands and she's like, men are like Kleenex, they should be fun, clean and disposable or something like that and I always think of that in this moment because she's like, men pass in front of our eyes like butterflies, they're like a nice little toy <laughs> Anyway, yeah. I love that mo- moment, but of course
0: It was a little sad though because I mean, Serafina says how like she loved Fartercorum, and she wishes that you know, she could have, like, stayed with him, but it's just not possible. And they even talk about, or Lyra's like, you should go see him. And she's like, he's going to be embarrassed by his age. And I'm like, that's so sad.
1: So sad. And, like, what a good person of her to realize that, that, like, she's like, this would only hurt him. And, like, so I'm not going to do it. So it's really quite beautiful. Um, But it is obviously interrupted because the cliff gas attack and the whole crew gets separated.
0: And this is where I was like, dang, Lyra's been captured again, and, like, when is she going to catch a break? But Lyra, of course, as we've already kind of seen, she's a very smart girl, and basically she gets captured uh, by the polar bear, the armored polar bears, and they take her to the king, which is... Is this Yofo? Is that how you say his name?
1: That's really close. Yofo. Yeah. You what? kind of, like... <laughs> Yofo Ragnarson, you kind of make the R yo-fo. softer. Yofo. No, there's still the R sound. You still have to put the R sound in. Yofo.
0: The first time you said
1: yofo, yo-fo
0: like YOLO. I did not like say that. Like FOMO. I roll
1: I, the I, tape. I did not say that. Yofo. Yofo. Now I'm down. There's no
0: R. You are not getting an. You are not always saying the yo-fo.
1: R. Yofo. Yofo. You have to get the. You said it right. So it's
0: Yo4, like
1: yeah, yo four. not like
0: Fur, like how it's spelled. Correct. Yo4. 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 Yo4.
1: Yo4. I mean, again, yo he's gonna die Racknesen. in a second, so we really don't need to know how to say his name.
0: Anyway, the king polar bear at the time, Yo4. Basically, he really wants a demon. Like he has, he has a. Th- a stuffed animal next to him because he wants a demon so badly. Like, I, this part was just, it was kind of funny. Like, he's he pitiful. literally, yes, he's pitiful. And not only does he have a stuffed animal, he makes all the oh, other the polar other bears, bears care around stuffed animals too. Because-
1: I know. This scene is so funny because, like, she's an 11-year-old girl. She's probably, like, what, five feet tall. Like, he's a giant talking polar bear, and she, like, tricks him. And I love how every time that any of the other bears get described, they're like, Like, kind of, like, self-conscious about, like, the pretty armor they're wearing and all the other stuff. Like, they have, like, feathers and, like, dolls and stuff like that. And they're like, I don't really understand what I'm supposed to look like. And they're super confused. And Lyra's like, yeah, they're so confused all the time.
0: Yeah, but Lyra is basically – because of because he wants to have a demon, she is able to convince him that she is Yorick, which he's the polar bear. He was cast out. She's like, he got a demon, and I'm his demon. And, like, her explanation, she's like, because, you know, humans' demons are animals, and you're an animal, so an animal demon would be a human. So she's like, but if you kill Yorick in one-on-one combat, then I can become your demon. So, like, she's, so, like, and he's, like, okay, I'll do it. And, like, like, not like that's
1: not how regular that. humans' demons work. That's not how humans' demons work. Humans, demons also don't know, like, unlimited things. And she's, like, tell me. Like, ask me a question. And, like, only a demon would like, know I, the answer. I have to but go she's do like, this I also in have private. The,
0: I have to leave the room to, you know, look at my and alethiometer. He's, and he's,
1: like, yeah, clearly if she can tell, find out secrets about me, she must be a demon. I'm, like, that's
0: not how demons work. But I guess, I mean, to his defense, I mean, they don't have demons, so how would he know? He just dreams about his stuffed animal being his demon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and like Serafina says, when a bear acts like a bear, he can't be tricked. But when he acts like a man, maybe he can. Which is also, like, a pretty savage line to be like, if you're a man, you're you're going to be – you can be taken in. But if you act like yourself, you can't. So I love Serafina being savage. hmm But, you know, we have the comb- – well, we have – Yorick arriving and Lyra, like, goes to tell again, like, Yofor, no, he's, she's like, I should go talk to Yorick in advance to convince him. And he's like, Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm like, He didn't think once that she could be a spy. But anyway, so Yorick, she convinces, she's like, Yorick, I tricked him. And he's like, You're not Lyra Balakwa, you're Lyra Silvertongue. And this is kind of a spoiler, but not really. And I don't mind saying it, but that's the name that Lyra's going to use for the rest of the series. She's going to call herself Lyra Silvertongue for the rest of the series. And I really like that because Yorick, like, actually loves her. Like, that's evident. And she loves him. And he's been a better parental figure to her than either of her parents. So, like, obviously she's not going to be Lyra Azriel because Asriel can't claim her as his own. And she can't be Lyra Coulter because she's not Mrs. Coulter's husband's kid. and she definitely Is Azriel,
0: be... is that his last name? I think so. No, but his her last name was Balakwa.
1: Oh, maybe he, her last name is Balakwa. So Azriel,
0: I thought, is his first name.
1: You're right. His first name is Azriel, and his last name is Balakwa. And her, her, and because they said that it's his brother's kid that she was pretending to be, Count Balakwa. So he, have the same last so name. he and her, his brother would obviously have the same last name, Balakwa. Yeah. So obviously she can't be Balakwa because Azriel's a terrible dad, and she can't be Coulter because she's a terrible mom. So she chooses to be Silvertongue and I really think that's sweet.
0: Well, i definitely I noticed the name change because I think a little bit later, like she introduced herself as Lyra Silvertongue and I was like, oh, she's really going with this. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> I when she, guess
0: it's important.
1: When she meets Will in the next book, I think she's literally gonna call herself Lyra Silvertongue, and I think she just does it for the rest of the series because
0: Well, I mean that makes yeah. sense because...
1: Yeah. It's tender. They're
0: referencing that she's like a good liar, right?
1: Yeah, because she's able to. Which that's been an
0: that's been like an ongoing theme that like she's good at tricking people. Because doesn't Ma Costa, when she's with Egyptians, say something about it, and she's like, "Oh," and she's like, "No, it's a good thing."
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exactly.
0: But before we move on, I have to post like point out some of the really gross stuff, which is again why this, for some reason, Charles must enjoy these graphic books to read as children because right after york wins the battle with Yofer he literally like rips open Yofer's body rips open his rib cage pulls out his heart and eats it just raw like just just chows down on a, on a on a raw heart. Like, I'm going to throw up. Oh, my God. Like, that's so nasty. And then after that, this isn't gross, but I just literally, like, I stopped and I was like, what? Because after the whole commotion of the fight and then once York wins, he's now the king. So he tells the bears to, like, tear down the, like, super grand palace. Lyra is like, I'm tired. So she just buries herself in snow. And goes to sleep. What? Well, yeah. is, isn't she going to freeze to death? She doesn't even tell anybody. She just is like, it's bedtime. <laughs> Digs herself a hole. Lays down. Bed it's today. like that that vine. Have you seen that vine with the kid on the beach or whatever? And she lies down and she's like crying. And she's like, I'm going to go. It's nap time now and I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> That's literally like what I imagine Lyra doing. She was like. You know what? This is too much. I'm going to take a nap.
1: But where she is, like if she's outside, if she just slept on the ground, she's going to be buffeted no, by wind no, no, and no, no, snow. No. By digging underneath, she protects herself from the weather. She
0: couldn't have talked to York and say, "Is there is there an inside place I can go to sleep?" Also because she doesn't communicate with anybody. She's like, "I'm tired. Digs herself a <laughs> hole, just goes to sleep." And then in the next that's the end of the chapter. The next chapter it says somebody comes looking for her like, "Oh, you know, we didn't know where you were because you know, you didn't communicate that you were going to sleep." <laughs> In your snow hole today.
1: I will agree. Like, it's not Lyra's finest moment.
0: I literally, I had to stop reading and I was like, she did what? <laughs> like, it was just so <laughs> casual.
1: She's like, I'm so tired. I just caused a coup d'etat and it's cold as hell.
0: After that, I think in the next chapter or whatever... She wake the person comes to get her they're like, "Oh, York's looking for you." And she's like, "Oh, I'm starving." And they're like, "Oh, we'll get you a raw seal kidney." So they take a seal, you know, rip it open with their claws right there, and she pulls out the kidney and just chows down. And she's like, "Oh, it's so yummy." And Doesn't I'm like, "Does she say it's like creamy they-
1: like chestnuts?"
0: Stop it. Aren't they the <laughs> kidney? <laughs> filled with pee and she's like ooh it's so delicious and not even that it's not cooked it's just raw like I can't even imagine I can't even imagine like digging into like this the, the like skin of the kidney and then getting the, the pee inside and being like ooh so delicious yummy
1: <laughs> oh my goodness what does this podcast like, become
0: like <laughs> Lyra, what's going on?
1: <laughs> She's hungry. She has to eat. And I think that probably the kidney is probably the part, like a part of the body that would like, is probably safe to eat without being cooked for humans. I looked it up. Seals and other aquatic mammals actually have what is called a raniculate kidney, which is basically it has a different level of acidity than like a land mammal. And that's because they have to consume so much salt water because obviously they like live in salt water and like prey on animals. Drink. So they have to have a special kidney that helps them process higher volumes of salt water. But yes, it still does serve the punk function of, like, pushing pee to your bladder. So, no, it's, it's undeniably gross, but I think it's probably that, like, she can't eat raw seal meat because she'll probably die. She'll probably, like, have food poisoning and... Whatever else, and like there might be toxins. So, her, so, like, so
0: she's like, I'm gonna settle for this cop. It's a delicacy. It's delicious. Well,
1: urine is sterile. So, I mean, you can drink urine. I mean, not that I'm recommending it. Okay, let's it. stop
0: talking about it. I'm gonna throw up.
1: Okay, that's what they do on all the survivor shows. Like they pee and into that's why a, I'm snake. Not on a
0: Survivor show. I wouldn't make it. That would be terrible.
1: <laughs> that's true. I, I mean, I would not go on a survivor show either. But I'm just saying, the urine is sterile anyway you us
0: supposed to drink your own urine i think so so she's still crossing the line.
1: <laughs> i mean you know she's also like at, basically at the north pole like basically frozen to death surrounded by a bunch of giant bears i think she's she's crossed a couple lines at this point <laughs> but anyway oh my gosh she gets up to Azrael, and he's being a total prat like he's so rude to lyra and every time i read this book i forget that he's so mean to her like because we, we mentioned, like you mentioned, she's like, wow, he's so rude to her in that first scene. And every time I read it, I'm like, yeah, he's so rude to her. I forget because I just expect him to be mean. And he's so rude to her, even like, even once he calms down, like he's so rude to her. And like, she's your daughter. Like, why do you talk to her like that?
0: Because men are terrible. Anyway, I need to break down this scene as I read it because I had lots of thoughts when from the moment asriel first sees lyra so i immediately wrote down because when he first sees her like they come up to the door he's horrified to see lyra you are not who i sent for and he only calms down once he notices that roger is with her and roger even tells lyra this he's like it was so weird like he was like, he did not want to see you. He was upset. But then as soon as he saw me, he was totally calm. Like, everything was okay. And I immediately was like, that's fishy. And then once they're talking to— or Lyra goes to talk to Azriel individually— And he's talking about dust and cutting the demons away, and it's all because of the church. And this is when we get the thing about it's about preventing humans from being um, subjected to the original sin from, like, the original, like, creation story of Adam and Eve, which I was like, what? Because I am still low-key, like, confused as to what dust is because I am still imagining, like, physical dust particles, which I don't know if that's what they're referencing But
1: I ain't dusty. That's my favorite Lyra line when when she's talking to the people at the station. And she's like, You guys are measuring dust. And they're like, How do you know about that? And she's like, I ain't dusty. I washed. Anyway. But anyway,
0: with talking about the sin and stuff with the creation, like I can definitely, like how you had mentioned in the last episode, like this definitely I'm getting like the criticism on religion specifically because. Even if that's their thought process, that, like, this is preventing sin, you're going to, like, commit, like, cruel and unusual punishments to children to get this purpose? Like, that. definitely not looking good.
1: Oh, it's going to get worse.
0: But then, so he's talking about that and kind of explains that. And then Azriel made a comment about how he says how cutting the demon or cutting a demon away from... Its person releases a great energy force, and like immediately after, he says, and he needs a great energy force to cross over into that parallel universe. And I immediately like the dots connected, and I was like, well, maybe he was so frightened to see Lyra because, because he even says he's like, I didn't send for you. That's like specifically what he says, I didn't send for you because he needs a child to cut the demon away, and he obviously doesn't want to cut away his own daughter, Lyra. But he can cut Roger. So when he saw him, he's like, oh, OK, this is going to work so he can generate that energy because he's obviously focused on going into the world and discovering what dust is. And I was immediately like, if that's the case, then Azriel is just as evil as Mrs. Coulter. Like they're on the same level. And then we get to the next chapter. Boom. I was right because he does. He kidnaps Roger, takes him to the top of the mountain or whatever and uh, this was also like there w- I was a little confused as to what was Happening well, once they actually got on the mountain
1: Yeah I can explain
0: because it Because You can explain it is that what you said?
1: Yeah if you want But like basically what happens is like he leaves With Roger Lyra wakes up She realizes Roger has gone And so she starts chasing them Up the mountain but Mrs. Coulter's Zeppelin arrives So the bears that are protecting her can't Like they're like we have to fight Mrs. Coulter's people who have, like, machine guns. And also, like, there's a pass that, like, a bear can't cross, so Lyra has to go on by herself. So that's why it's super chaotic, because Lyra is all of a sudden alone, and also, again, North Pole, there's a snowstorm happening. So she's, like, trying to reach Roger. She's, again, she's five feet tall. There's snow everywhere. And, like, she's alone trying to climb a mountain.
0: Yeah, and then, like, the demons try to, like, fight... Azrael's demon. That part was, like, just really sad. Because I was like, they don't stand a chance. They're children oh, yeah, they fighting a, a grown man. And, and his like, demon
1: is massive. She's a freaking giant leopard. Well, because
0: because it was... That part was just also, like, heartbreaking. Like, poor Roger. Because they're, like, trying to get away. But they still have his demon. So, like, he can't get that far away without, you know, feeling that immense pain. And then they cut the demon. And I think, based on, like, how it's... Like, he just dies, is what it sounds like.
1: He dies. Yeah. And, like, his so, limp body... Yeah, so because it's not, like, under that, like, clean and scientific setting, he, like, the procedure kills him. Like, he and his demon die rather than, like, whereas at least at the station, like, they cut you, but they're doing it in, like, a way to keep you alive. Like, they have a facility for that, whereas Azrael doesn't care. So, yes, he's as bad as Mrs. Coulter because he doesn't care that the person he's going to kill... Like he probably could set up a rig that would like not kill the person, but he doesn't care. He's literally just trying to harness that energy. And he's just as bad as Mrs. Coulter because he's willing to like he's like he want. he's he's fully prepared to kill a kid. And we sort of get that like earlier where it's kind of said that like Azrael he's been like requesting things to be sent to him in his prison. Like, remember, he's supposed to be on prison on Svalbard, but Yorick, uh, Jofa Racknesen is giving him whatever he wants because he's like if Mrs. Coulter comes out on top, I kept Azrael in prison. If Azrael comes out on top, I was giving him everything he wanted. Like, he's trying to play the field. So is like, requesting things. Like, he has, like, a freaking glass house in the middle of the <laughs> of the Arctic because he's requesting glass to be brought in. Like, he's getting everything he wanted. So he, it's, it's made sort of the implication that he'd requested a child be sent to him. He says, you're not who I sent for, and or I did not send for you. And so he's fully expecting a child to come up and fully expecting to sever a child and use their energy. And he doesn't care about whether or not the child survives. So he's awful. Also,
0: I have a I have a question. Yeah. So also because they're specifically like how he said about the energy being released. Is that only when they cut the demon away from the child because they're pre like before puberty? So they're demons still in the sense Mm -hmm. that it can change forms is
1: it's not discussed further i think it's really from anyone but i think that the idea it could just be that it's from a child because once your demon settles it's like you know much more part of you because it's reflecting your inner soul yeah but i think it's more that like there's no chance of surviving if you cut away a human an adult's demon like you can't sever them that way whereas like with a kid you can like pr- like I don't know. It doesn't get discussed further. We're not going to actually have any more demon cutting, if I remember correctly, in the rest of the series. Also,
0: because I'm just so curious. is like, how do they actually physically cut away something that's not physical?
1: So With the thing is they have this alloy that they're going to talk a little more about. It's the material that's used to make the hands of the lithiometer. It's the same blade. is kind of the same material. And they've, science has basically, and then the subtle knife, which we're going to meet in the next book, is another physical object that has that same material. And it, they figured out that that material can kind of cut through non-physical things. And by, because the bond, even though it's not a physical bond, it is like, you, you want to think of it as like an elastic. Like, think of it as a rubber band connecting the human from the demon, But it's non-tangible. So whereas like you would just cut a rubber band, you have to get the specific alloy to cut the demon, which is why they have to keep them in two separate places, but like restrain them because the the bond, it's kind of hard to show over a podcast, but basically the bond will draw a line between any two points, between the human and the demon. So that's why at Bullwanger they have them in two cages. So that there's like, the bond has to be between the two cages, so they bring the knife down between the bond and that's how they can cut it. And then w- with Azrael, the demon is holding the, um, his demon is holding Salcilia, Roger's demon, and Azrael's holding the child, and that's what, and, like, the knife cuts it that way. It's a little theoretical, for sure.
0: Again, this is where I say, like, super dark. That's, like, a lot for, like, to read as a child. Like, I am, like, so, like, it's heartbreaking. Like, that's so terrible
1: and you're going to see lyra dealing with that in the next book because lyra if you remember correctly she didn't go on the mission to save the children she went on the mission to save roger save her roger, friend and
0: roger's dead and That's she what, goes I mean, for and me, saves was... him
1: and she instead of sending him back with the egyptian kids like if she just let him go back with egyptian kids they probably would have brought him back to oxford but she is going to again a little bit of a spoiler but she's going to be suffering with guilt in the next book because she's like i'm the reason he died
0: well, she's not the reason he died. Your terrible father and yeah. mother and terrible adults are the reason why he died. But I understand why she feels guilty. But I'm just saying, like, for this, like, I know you said that this book is not geared for, like, necessarily a certain age group, but the fact that it's about
1: a children, child, yeah.
0: it's a lot. Like, it's going to be really interesting because, how like you said, if we're going to watch the TV show, like...
1: The TV show is definitely not geared towards children. I will say that, like...
0: Like, I'm going to say it, it can be. I mean, there's a lot of violence in it. This, this seems like I, I like it's very graphic, even in the book, how things, like, I'm talking about the how they rip apart <laughs> seals and bears and gut spilling and eating kidneys and killing people and cutting children away from their souls, essentially. It's a very dark concept.
1: The really bad movie that was released in, I believe, 2011, the one we've mentioned, that one, I think, is geared towards kids. It's very, like, sweet kind of Disneyified.
0: We got to watch both of them to see.
1: But the TV show, HBO, it is an adult TV show. Next book, we're going to get some real torture scenes in the book. And the, the way they show it in the movie and the TV show, like, I had to turn away. It was graphic. <laughs> it was not also, as graphic in the book, but it was, like, the TV okay. show. Also, because the TV show, like, kind of developed a way of portraying this torture. Like, it's kind of like, in the book, it's kind of like, and then she tortured her. And you're like, Bleh. but like in the TV show, like they show it, and oh my god, I can't even think about it. I'm getting, I'm getting hot thinking about it.
0: Also, I was just wondering before we continue, really quick, just since we're talking about this is like a, a whole so far what we read. Like you said, you've read this book a lot. Like, did you feel like, like I don't know, reading it? Like I felt uncomfortable. Like, and I'm a 22 year old adult. Like I can't, like I can't imagine reading this. Like when I was like 11 or 12. Like, maybe things might go over your head of, like, how serious it is.
1: I think that's what happened. I think the adventure part of it is what, like, I was into. Like, Lyra going north and her inspiration to go north. Like, even the way you, when you read it, you were like, the uh, the conflict is the stealing of the children. And, like, while I always knew that was the conflict, that's never what I thought of when I thought of the Golden Compass. I thought of it as, like, Lyra going north. and
0: You didn't? I guess because, like that. I
1: think the dark things got blocked out. They kind of like passed over.
0: This is what the podcast is about of like seeing of like how you read things differently when you're a child versus when you're an adult. And you have more of a like adult perspective and like realize the bad things are real cuz I mean even how things are described like the ending where Roger dies, it's not it's never blatantly said that he's dead.
1: Yeah, it's like she's it's, holding his he, limp body and his va- demon vanishes. She said, "I'm holding his
0: limp body and then his demon vanishes." but it's never like so for like a child reading it if you didn't really understand of like oh that means he's dead you might not really understand the gravity of what just happened
1: yeah and if you don't and again if you don't think about like the fact that Lyra brought him the here like this, yeah, you're the not gonna... the complexity of like Ly- that Lyra is going to feel of like we're the reason Roger died it definitely went over my head as a child the the darkness especially like the evilness of the characters like obviously the monkey i've always I was like, monkey, evil animal, like, also it's going to be an evil demon. Like, I always knew that was evil. And I always felt like the doctors in Bullvanger, when they touch her demon, like, that is, it's evil. But, like, the way her parents, like, I later on realized how much further evil the parents are, or how selfish her parents are. And I think that... yeah definitely, like, that's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast, is, like, I completely read it differently as a child. I was much more like, oh, my God, Lyra's going north. She's going to get a bear. And, like, now I'm like, oh, my God. Her mom
0: is (laughs) evil. For me right now, how I feel about this, just this first book, what we've read, the main reason, like, I don't think I would like this is because it's so dark. Like, it's so, like, scary in, like, not a, like, not even, like, a horror way, but, like, a scary, like...
1: The it's, like the depravity of humanity that people can be like
0: yeah. that. Yeah. Like it's just it's a lot to process.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: that's why I'm like, and to, like it's about a child. Like it's not even an adult going through this these questioning of like questioning what's right versus wrong and who can you trust? It's this eleven year old little girl and her demon pet soul thing. Alone like they're in the going world. through this.
1: Yeah. And it's going to continue to be like that. We're going to see depraved humans continue throughout the series. We are going to see some good ones. They're going to like, we're going to meet Will next book. He's also a child. He's like the most amazing kind person. We're going to meet someone else, an adult who is really kind and generous and giving of herself. So we're going to meet those people. And in the TV show, the TV show, while it's dark, it is undercut because we have Lin-Manuel Miranda pretending to be a Texas farmer, which, for all his many talents, is not necessarily the role I would put Lin-Manuel Miranda in. So it's very funny. We get that in the TV show.
0: Yeah, I guess I was also just going to mention about how, because obviously, like, I've... Like, Hunger Games is another, like, pretty dark series. Like, they're literally killing children or making children kill each other. But I think the difference between this and that. I mean, these are obviously the main character is a younger, but also the idea of I was just thinking like it's not even like they're just killing kids. Like the act of cutting away the demon is a sense of like torture. It's torture. So it's it's more uncomfortable because it's like it's more of a violation like um like of your personal being. Like just like it's to me, at least personally, like I mean I don't know how other people feel but for me personally like Reading about or watch something, like, where someone is, like, raped or sexually abused to me is a lot more uncomfortable than someone being killed. Or, like, because it's more than just death. It's, like, you're suffering. So, and that's where I feel like for this, to me, this is a darker story because, like, it's more uncomfortable for me to read because they're literally torturing children in what they think is for the greater good.
1: It's going to... Yeah. yeah well, and I know gonna it's ha- going to
0: get worse, so.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't want to spoil more. There's going to be a really, really horrific scene in the next book. Like, kind of like a mob scene. Again, I'm sp- going to start spoiling. So I'm not going go to go there. But, um, but you, like I said, we will meet some good characters who, like, will inspire you as well. Oh, and basically, so we have Lyra on the mountain. Will is Will. Roger is dead. And... This is what makes Lyra and Pan think that dust must be good. It's kind of like reverse psychology, like the most simple syllogism of logic. They're like, if all these bad people are hunting it, they're trying to figure it out, they're trying to contain it, they're trying to control it. These are bad people. They're trying to control dust. That means that dust must be really good because these are terrible people. And if they're against us, then we've got to be for dust. And we can do that. And that's when they go into the portal and they go into the new world. And that's where we'd leave off. And I think it's a, like, kind of, like, a nice moment of, like, that's what an 11-year-old would think. Like, bad people want to do this, so therefore, like, the opposite must be good. Like, it's still betraying that while Lyra is definitely smarter than the average 11-year-old, like, she still is a child. Like, she's still, like, bad people want to do this thing, so I've got to do the opposite. And, like, I think that's a, it's a, like... Be, tragically beautiful moment for her because she does. She's like, well, I just have to go against what the bad people are doing.
0: Yeah, and good then, for Lyra.
1: Yeah, you're going to continue to like Lyra because she's gonna continue to be an amazing, and she's going to grow up into an amazing young woman and a very except like,
0: for except for eating that kidney, nasty.
1: <laughs> okay. You're also going to get some funny Lyra scenes in the next book that are going to be really funny, and we're gonna you're gonna I love like, the
0: funny Lyra scenes.
1: Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna remember that Lyra is highborn. Just keep that in mind when you start the next book. because She's oh, like yeah. nobility, and she grew up being pampered and spoiled at a very wealthy college in Oxford. And that's all I'll say. So that wraps up this book. Actually, do you have any other questions? Do you have anything else you want to talk about?
0: I just wanted to mention how, so after, you know, Azriel murders Roger and the whole thing opens up, Mrs. Coulter shows up out of nowhere and it's kind of unclear as to how she got there. I am mean, I'm assuming maybe she came in like her Zeppelin or whatever, because that thing flies, right? Mm-hmm. But she shows up and Asriel and Mrs. Coulter actually kiss. And it kind of seems like they were still in love with each other and they were kind of... Both working towards the same goal, but ultimately, like, they disagree on, like, I think Mrs. Coulter wants to keep her power in the church. Because I don't really think she actually, like, necessarily believes in the whole dust is original sin. She just wants power. Correct. And she knows that the church can give her power. Whereas... Asriel is more interesting in discovering what dust actually is. He doesn't really care about, you know, pleasing the church and trying to stay in their good graces. He just wants to know. He wants to learn more about it and, like, figure it out. And ultimately, I feel like he wants to harness that power because by knowing what dust is, that's where he can find power. And that's why he's like, you can come with me. But she's like, I can't do it. And he's like, then I'm not ever thinking about you again, which was pretty cold. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) But I kind of expect that of him. He seems like a very cold person and she got what she deserved. But yeah, so he goes off without her and she just like leaves. But she's like crying. Also, can I just. I don't know. It was weird. Like when they kiss like their demons were like playing with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It was really (laughs) weird. I don't know.
1: Yeah, the demon is embodying the energy between the two people. So the demons are stroking each other when they are kissing. And that's all I'll say on that. But yes, that does, that is the demon because the demon is you and you are the demon. Like it's going to, it's going to reflect how you feel at least to a certain extent. And yeah, they definitely are still in love with each other, but they're both ambitious. Like you said, it's totally right that Coulter thinks that she can only get power by staying through the church and Asriel's, got a bigger plan which we'll learn a little more about so it yeah they they would be together but like they're on just two different paths so they're yeah it's it's cool it's cruel and cold and like kind of what they both deserve like they don't deserve that happiness but they clearly like do kind of like feel this love for each other and they both feel like a very perverse love for Lyra, like a possessive kind of love of Lyra and like a lot of their love. And you'll see this in the next two books also has to do with like their desire to like keep Lyra from her other parent, even though Lyra doesn't really want anything to do with either of them. They're both like, I'm better for Lyra. And she's like,
0: cause they're possessive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're possessive. And a lot of it, like Coulter wanting Lyra, a lot of it has to do with like her not wanting Azriel to have Lyra. So you'll see it'll keep being complicated because there is a latent sort of like connection between the two of them that they are both like denying and also like trying to live in at the same time. So yeah, they're, they're, they're going to have a, a quite an interesting arc. And um, again, I can't say more cause I will start spoiling. And we should just mention, we already talked about this, but the church thinks of dust as original sin. So when Eve ate the apple in the garden, That's what causes basically puberty. Like they start to feel shame, their demon settles, and they start to cover up, which is basically puberty. And that the dust, the church thinks that dust is original sin. And that's going to be super important for the rest of the series. And no, the dust is not like a physical thing on you. You have to think about it the way that Asriel describes it of like electrons, Electrons are elementary particles, so they're the things that make up everything. So dust is tiny, 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 and it is like that, but it moves in a different way. Whereas like electrons and protons and neutrons form atoms, which form cells, which form objects, dust kind of operates on its own, like it kind of chooses a path. And we're going to learn more about it, but you're not expected to really understand it at this point because we're getting the information from Lyra's perspective. And Lyra is 11 years old and doesn't understand it. But you're going to learn a little more about it in the next book.
0: I just know, like, all of that, and I'm if it's going to go deeper than that, I can definitely see, like, why people would consider this to be, like, anti-religion, anti-church, and why, like... Yeah, I can definitely see that because I Oh, it's going to get worse. Getting that. <laughs> yeah. If
1: you think the first book was anti-religion, wait till you hear what Azrael's master plan is because it's going to be crazy.
0: Oh gosh. Well, we are going to dive into book 2 next week, The Subtle Knife, and we're going to be reading chapters 1 through 8 for next week. So, if you're going to read along with us, go ahead and read up to there.
1: Awesome. Yeah. If you have any predictions, theories, or questions, remember you can always stay in touch with us on the Nerd Party website. Also, I just got to throw in a former friend of mine. We read these books at the same time and he pronounced it the subtle knife. And I was like, that's not how that word is said. It's subtle. And he was like, no, I'm right. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. It's the subtle knife. And we're not friends anymore. And I'm not saying that his mispronunciation of the word subtle is the reason we're not friends, but like, maybe that's part of it the subtle knife the, s- the subtle was he
0: was he from another country
1: yes but he grew up speaking english as a first language
0: but where was he from germany but sometimes words are pronounced slightly differently based off of diet like how they were taught
1: well i told him that it was pronounced subtle there's no also in british english it's still subtle subtle like it wouldn't i
0: wouldn't know but
1: Anyway. That's why
0: I was saying, like, I know there's different dialects where, like, things are pronounced slightly
1: different. Well, you saying it that that's time, That's very I was, petty. I, it's <laughs> not... That's not the only reason we're not friends anymore. But anyway. Well, we're revealing <laughs> some really bad things about me right now. But thank you for pronouncing subtle correctly, because if you'd said subtle, I might have cried. And anyway... If you want to talk about the correct pronunciation of subtle, you can stay in touch with us on thenerdparty.com slash contact. You head over and you just select throwback paperback. You can send us an email. <laughs> we are at the point of the episode where we are both laughing so hard that I cannot read the outline correctly. And then Asia laughs because I make a mistake on the outline and then I laugh even further. So I'm just going to try that again. I think we're probably going to leave that in the episode to embarrass me. Yes. If you want to talk to us about the correct pronunciation of subtle, head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and you select throwback paperback. You send us an email there. You can get in touch with the network at large on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at the nerdparty or on facebook.com slash To find me, I'm at C.E. on both Twitter and Instagram, though let's be real, we don't really use Twitter.
0: I'm Asia Bonilla on Twitter. I'm going yeah, to make her laugh. I'm going to
1: make ha, her ha, laugh. Ha, ha. I'm not
0: very active there, but I am active on Instagram at Asia.Bonilla. And if you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network. And make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week.
1: Yep. Hit that subscribe. Have a good one. We will see you next week.